What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. If you are here you are dialed in or you are listening to the recording, then that is the perfect indication that you have made a decision to say yes to spirit, to say yes to divine guidance, to say yes to showing up as a representation of God. Wow. Now, you get to decide, are you in the right place or not? (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've been doing Say Yes to Spirit for almost four years, and uh, it has been a fascinating journey, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join the journey today. My name is Tracy, and my co-host is... Leslie, today, anyway, today. Yeah, I don't know about next week or next year or next... (laughs) You might be done with me soon enough. (laughs) Four years. After four years, you have to to re-up every every year, right? Um, That's an idea. (laughs) (laughs) To make a conscious choice. I'll take Leslie for another year. Yay. Yeah, this show may be ending real soon. Now that See, I, you may, now that you, I if you, you are listening to today, choice. you may be listening to the last show ever. <laughs> this conscious, conscious you, re-upping? No, no, we never, just like let the default <laughs> continue to run our lives, right? Oh, see, once we know, we know. We can't unknow, right, that we have a choice. I'm sorry I told you, yes, because I kind of like doing it, Trace, so I hope you consciously <laughs> choose to keep doing it. So one of the things that we consciously do in our show, Say Yes to Spirit, is we consciously connect the dots. And um, and so in order to do that, we um, first hear our theme show music, and then we turn it over to Leslie to connect the dots. Our theme today is the triune nature of God, and our theme last week was was it oneness, something like that? It was oneness. The week before it was one God. There was only one God. Last time it was oneness, being one with spirit. And today it is triune nature of God. So, so uh. As you start playing the music, I'm going to have to make sure that uh, I understand the triune nature of God. Would that be God and the Holy Spirit and something else? I'm asking you, Trace. Oh, oh, I'm supposed to talk now. God. Hello, you know, the Father, the Son, and the... The Father. Holy Ghost or the Spirit, and the or in Science of Mind, we talk about mind, body, and um, and soul or law and love, and you know, depending on who you're talking to, you're going to always get these three elements that together create the whole of God. Gotcha. See, now that, see, well, there you go. There's your connected us thing. Because that's what I was thinking. It's the three elements or the three aspects or the three ways that people talk about spirit. But it's only the one thing anyway that we're talking about. So the connected us is pretty obvious then. But it's the idea that that for whatever reason, in our human state, we need to attribute different qualities or give it different names or, um, you know, have different ways to express or see spirit, but at the end of the day, it's it's the one just expressing in ways that are more user-friendly to us at different times. There's my connected dots. 
and a fine connected dot to do. So we're going to take a break, and uh, we will be back in a little over a minute to talk about the triune nature of God on Say Yes to Spirit. Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. And our theme today is the triune nature of God. We always have a theme for the show, and we look at that as an opportunity to kind of focus us in, at least in the beginning of our conversation. And sometimes our topics are directly spiritual, directly religious, directly faith connected, and other times they're not. But right now we're doing a series that is directly spiritually grounded and connected. And the series is coming from um, what in Science of Mind we refer to as our we, what we believe. And it's a statement written in the 20s about what it is that we believe about universal spiritual principle and how that shows up in the world. And so part of the What We Believe series of statements reads, we believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by this creative mind which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. I'm just going to read that again. We believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by the creative mind, which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. And so that's very much in alignment with what is often referred to as the Trinity or the triune nature of God because it absolutely, you know, recognizes that there is a universal spirit and that there are universal spiritual principles of the law of God and that that shows up in our physical form based on our thought, our acts upon it, and, you know, whatever happens in physical manifestation. So it goes from a divine idea, it goes from the formulas into a, a process that is mystical to us in our human humanity, but it is simply that process of, of it happening and then showing up in our lives. Um, Leslie, any, any kind of introductory comments you want to make, and then I'm going to um, share a couple of things uh, that also take this and connect it with the Christian link of the Trinity. You know, it's interesting as you were reading the um, As We Believe statement, it occurred to me that I think one of the most powerful things that I kind of have done and do at different times and always try to grow with is create my own I Believe statement. And um, it's an interesting uh, exercise, and I think we talked about that a couple of weeks, or I talked about that a couple of weeks ago in l- working with the women in the jail of helping them understand to come up with a understanding of what they believe about their God, what qualities their God has, and right. we need to take that to the next step of coming up with 
how do I believe things work? And um, instead of just taking on the belief statement of any religion or any sect or any philosophy to look at it at all and then to come up with, you know, this is how I believe it works for me. And um, to be able to hook into understanding that I I can create my own I believe statement. Does that make me sound like I'm my own little cult? Perhaps it does. But, uh, yeah, and, and maybe, you know, science of mind or Christianity or maybe some entity's belief statement aligns perfectly with what I believe, but that I actually make a conscious choice to decide that, that I don't just take something on. And um, and along with that, you know, understanding, uh, you know, the, the the nature of spirit and how spirit does present in different ways and in different forms at different times for me and to be kind of conscious of my receiving that spirit in whatever form it's coming at whatever time it's coming it's it's like um that becomes my choice to to receive to receive God in the different ways that God presents there's my opening statement. Was that was she said an opening statement, like kind of like in a court of law kind of thing? An opening statement. That's my opening. No, statement. nothing like in a court of law, but just <laughs> an opening statement, opening comments. Well, you know, um, it is really interesting that you would say that because one of the things I loved most about the spiritual practices class that is the you know, one of the um, certificated or licensed classes in uh, Science of Mind is that we were required, your your end-of-class project is a personal declaration of spiritual reality. What is the truth about spirituality? What is the truth about spiritual reality and the nature of God in life, in your life and in life itself? Um, and I loved not only, you know, what I wrote at the time years ago, but hearing everyone in the classes, um, you know, creation, how they viewed this idea of, you know, this concept of God and God expressing in the world. And I recently had the fabulous opportunity to teach that class and the same thing. I mean, I loved every week of that eight-week class, every week. But the last week when people did their um, their final projects, their personal declaration of spirituality, I was amazed at how many different ways <clears throat> you can express God and and explain the qualities of God and how that manifests into physical form. So I think you're right. I think it's like a, a great assignment for anyone who yeah. is listening mm-hmm. to absolutely, you know, think about how would you, we're, we're taking off on our what we believe statement written by Ernest Holmes in 1927, but what if you had the assignment of writing your own, uh, what yeah. would you write and what would that mean? Yeah, I think that is a powerful, powerful thing. And it also, once we, once I really do that, then it gives me a framework that everything has to kind of um, fit into. And I heard an interview with uh, Marianne Williamson on my favorite channel of Oprah Network, Radio Network. And, you know, even she talked about, who's, who's written a lot of stuff on the Course in Miracles and is a fairly been doing this for about 25 years doing doing all this stuff before it was so popular but she made the statement that you know the challenge for her because she has such a clear understanding of how it works is to um, believe it in the moments of challenge in her life and if I don't have a really strong core understanding of my understanding I don't have a core belief then I'm going to be very um, sort of much more likely to forget it in in moments of trial and tribulation. So the oh, yeah, because in those moments is, of trial and yeah. tribulation, 
those moments when we are stressed, it's like we're going to go to our default because we're not thinking consciously about what to do. We're just reacting to the situation, scenario, or the crazy person or the person who's driving us crazy. So it becomes really interesting and necessary for us to have this grounding that is um, like deeper than our conscious thought so that it guides us in those moments when when we simply give in to whatever's happening. Right. And my thermometer has always said, how long do I stay in the dark now? <laughs> Sadly, I haven't gotten to that space where I don't visit the dark. But, um, you know, the, the what is the time frame that it takes me to reconnect or re, reset? Right, or turn on the light the switch. Right. 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 You know, when you think about it, if you walked into a dark room, and it's not, I mean, you don't have to be afraid or anything, but you walk into a room and it's dark, but you are walking into that room with a plan to read a book, for example, versus go to sleep. So you walk in a dark room, your plan is to sit in a chair and read a book. You just you don't think about oh i wonder how i could get more light in here you don't think about i wonder if i need to <clears throat> go make a deal with the electric company to give me light for the next 2 hours so i can read my book you simply reach to the wall or reach over to the lamp and you flip the switch and you turn on the light and you don't think about it so in our lives, wouldn't that be an interesting thing if we found ourselves in the dark, figuratively, we're confused, we're worried, we're afraid. Um, if we just instinctively... And, and, and with the same amount of confidence. Exactly. Not just turn the light on. Turn the light of the higher power on to operate in your life. And so I agree with you. The The thing is, in fact, I had this conversation with someone a few days ago, and, you know, they they didn't realize it, but they were operating in this, you know, this dream world, <laughs> this fantasy of, you know, oh, Tracy, you're a licensed practitioner, and so, you know, or, oh, you know, Reverend Petra, you're a minister, or, oh, you know, you don't have this problem anymore, these kinds of problems. And I just oh, laughed. It's like, uh, no, the difference is I don't stay in the problem as long as I used to. So it's exactly what you said. It's, you know, I can stand in the problem, but I'm operating within the circumstances of the problem by turning the light on and seeing what is mine to do, what's possible, being assured that it's going to work out just fine. This is just a step in the process and not being there and being stuck there. Exactly right. And so I think, connecting back to our topic today, the triune nature of God, that I think what happens is is when we remember that God is all there is and that all of it is God and that what's happening is we may be seeing the physical expression of of one part of that, but it all goes back to, you know, the intent and... Uh, and universal mind, and so that there are there is a triune nature, but just like there is a triune nature, there is just it is all part of the one, which goes back two shows ago to there is only one God. Yeah, that's the kind of the connect the dots is the idea that right it just shows up in different ways depending on what way I need to see it. I mean that's what I'm thinking is that. The trying nature was designed to meet the different needs that I might experience on a human level. Well, and it is also a way of us explaining the way that God works. And so 
at if we're going to work within universal principle and spiritual law, if we are going to work it, we have access to work it in specific ways. So we can't. We do have to then break it down. So I'm going to uh, share the. This I love this article. It's from the blog, the Patheos blog, and Patheos.com is a blog, and its subtitle is "Hosting the Conversation on Faith." And I love this blog because it has the it has the um, it has blog posts from people of many different faith practices and, no and on spiritual this? belief systems. <laughs> and no, Oprah, no Oprah. Oprah has her own world. Oh, that's true. Shouldn't There's be. no reason for Oprah to post on some <laughs> other blog. However, several um, several leaders within Science of Mind have blogs within the Patheos oh, okay. matrix. But this particular blog is um, not from a Science of Mind perspective. It's written by John Shore. And depending on, you may, others may be familiar with John Shore. He's a really well-known um, Christian writer and leader. And the title of his blog post is, The Triune Nature of God Explained in Four Sentences. Oh, got to love that. Right. So I loved it before I even read it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so here's what John Shore has to say. The idea that God is the ultimate hat trick, that he, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all at once, is something that has always confused and challenged Christians and everyone else with a normal, binary-style brain. But a look at the opening of the Gospel according to John perfectly explicates the triune nature of God. Okay, so... First, let's, we'll quote the Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He was with God, okay. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And... John Shore goes on to basically explain that, like, to our binary mind in in human form, you know, we're used to looking at either-or situations, and so as soon as someone tells us that we... Um, that that God is the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit all at the same time... Both and. Our brain goes like, huh, how is that possible? It's either the Father mm-hmm. or the Son or the Holy Spirit. You can't mm-hmm. be two things at once, so you definitely can't be three things at once. And so, um, so what John Shore does in this in this particular blog post then is he goes through those four sentences from the Bible and explains. To uh, explain things about those four, but those four sentences taken out of the Bible just pretty much capture that God is all there is, and that God individuates as the Son uh-huh. and, and shows up in physical form in a way that you can see, touch, all of that. And at the same time, that nothing can be made or done except through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so in Science of Mind, we have the teaching symbol with the three levels. And you have Spirit, the, the all that is, which is all of it. You have the, the divine mind or the creative mind of God process. that is the initiator of the creative process. You have the layer of law or universal mind, which is that mystical, don't know how it happens, Mm -hmm. but that seed is growing in there and then it shows up as body or effect or or the sun Mm -hmm. in the triune nature of God. 
because that is what has to happen. So if, if, if we understand it that way and understand that all of it is God, just expressing appropriately for what needs to happen, are we starting a process, are we putting a cause into motion, are we seeing the result of the motion? And guess what? The motion is something that we don't even really control, but it happens. It gets us from the idea to the effect. And I just keep coming back to this idea that it, the design, this whole design, this, this God design thing, uh, is really so lovingly put together to help us muddle along the human experience and to give us every opportunity to find it. It's almost like there's a serious, a corn of spirit has this serious desire for us to get it and to be able to find our own personal connection to spirit. And so spirit has designed it so that it comes across in all different ways in all different times and it's constantly trying to get our attention to say, here, look here, look here, look here. Everything's good, everything's perfect, everything's love. And so the design of the triune nature kind of points to that, that there's such a perfect design that God wants to get our attention, to, to, to be connected to us, and that, you know, there's just no... I guess I'm just incredibly impressed at how there's no limit to God's desire to show me himself. I can't use that word himself with you without you staring at me. Itself. It doesn't <laughs> the bother self, me. Whatever the pronoun of it. Well, it would only bother me if it's we were self, in class. If we were because, in science and mind class. No, if we were in class because so many people don't understand and if they're saying himself, thinking it, of it as a physical body. Right. But... Yeah, I know you know the language. Better, so. Yes, yes. So himself does not bother me with a capital H in any way. There we go, there we go. And, but I do think that's the fascinating thing to me is that, you know, I keep coming back to the idea that there is just no limit to how much spirit wants us to get it. And the getting it is um, seems to be the game. Seems to be the game. See, I'm using that word, the game, a lot. I like that. Yeah, what is that? I don't know, but my sister hates that when I say that. (laughs) Oh, that life is a game. That life is a game. game And and operating the process. Yes. yes. God is an operating system. And, uh, yeah. I bet it does drive a lot of people crazy. But this trying nature of God, one of the reasons I I really... um, Love thinking about it, more not so much talking about it, but, but considering it, is because it does remind, for two reasons. One, in, in um, almost all of the main religions, mainstream religions or large religions, there's, the, there's this conversation about the triune nature yes. of God. It, it has different language. May have a different image, but this idea that God is all knowing, yes. all powerful, powerful and all, all loving, uh-huh. is really a triune nature. Uh-huh. Knows everything, um, all loving, acts with love to respond to whatever is needed, required, or requested <clears throat> that represents the qualities of God. And, you know, it's like, and then it shows up in physical form, and you don't know how, right, the always present. It's like it's always present, always there. Um, It's like, okay, so what is, what is it? The triune nature is beyond language. Uh Uh-huh. And so, you know, it always fascinates me when I'm able to look at different belief systems, and see that they're really saying the same thing. Yes. I mean, I think from the age of 16 or 18, 
that that has always fascinated me. And through my 20s, I got to see a lot of that Mm -hmm. because I was intentionally going to every different kind of religious service or process or program I could. And it's like, okay, the language itself, I can't get hung up within. Right. I need to understand the concept of it, and then I can recognize it from religion to religion. So that's one of the things that I I love about it and love considering all the time. Um, And then the the other thing is just, wow, the... It, you know, the Lisa Ferraro, Erica Luckett song, if you're uh, awe, the name of the song is awe, A-W-E, but the, the chorus line, the repeating line in the song that captures me every time is, if you're not in awe, you're not paying attention. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And when I think about the triune of fantastic. God, I am in awe. Yes. That I can see it as a whole, yeah. and also recognize the process of it. You know, that's an interesting thing to use. You know, something to like thermometers to be a reflection. Oh, always talking with the women in the jail about you know everything that I do. I need to look at it as instructive. Everything that happens to me is instructive. You know, if I respond in anger, that's instructive. It's telling me something of where I am, what you know, what what is my inner state of being. I can I can see by how I react or respond, yeah. and and that's a really nice new way for me to do that and look at if I'm in awe, and it, you know, because if I'm in awe, if I'm in A W E, then I am in spirit. Yes, and all of these little kind of hiccups along my day when I can reflect them through, you know, or have the prism of awe be the thing that brings them into me, then I can so easily see them. And it's so amazing to me how quickly I can get lost in, you know, my human reaction and that is, you know, completely opposite of the awe reaction. So I'm really going to use that now kind of this week as my, um, the idea of my sifter. I I had a, I don't know if it was a therapist or a sponsor once. They all run together, all the people that have tried over the years to help me and failed. (laughs) But, um, you know, one gave me this idea of a sifter. You know how you used to sift flour? I've seen that done. Have you yeah. seen that done back in the day? And I never understood why you're sifting the flour because it seems to all go back in. You know, it's not like you're taking something out. But um, she used to suggest that it was kind of a purification process, and that you know that everything goes through a sifter uh, that comes into me, and, and you know, is my sifter my human experience? Is my sifter uh, fear? Is my sifter? Um, you know, acceptance or love or spirit, and um, I'm going to use my sister being awe this week. Wow. I like that. I like that as a metaphor. I'm sticking with it. Wow, that will be interesting. What would it be like to constantly throughout the day saying, I'm going to really do that. What am I in awe of in this very moment? Yes. Or how is this moment awesome? Um. Yes, there you go. I really, you know, because in this moment, am I, you know, if I'm late, if I'm in fear, if I'm feeling, you know, something un- unnerving, how do I filter that through awesome? How do I bring spirit into that? That's a whole other, you know, what would love do? What would awe do? I just, I really like that. Thanks, Chase Brown. You're welcome. Thank you, Lisa and Etika. We'll, uh send them a quick Facebook message and say, listen to our show today because we kept talking about if you're not in awe, you are not paying attention. So um, another way that um, John Shore kind of summarized that that piece is he, he went on to write what I believe, what he believes, John is expressing there, is that God exists in three ever-present, 
simultaneous mode. Absolute and changing. <laughs> Absolute and changing. I'm sorry. That's very no, confusing. No, no, no. I oh. misread. Oh, okay. Very good. Absolute and unchanging. Oh, okay. Very good. <laughs> like that. Exuberantly creative. And within the heart and soul of every person. He uses the word God to refer to the absolute and unchanging aspect of God's reality. The word word to refer to the exuberantly creative aspect of God's existence, by which, as we shall see, he means Jesus. And the light of men to refer to God as the Holy Spirit. And again, it just brings me back to this idea that we just should all create our own belief system. You know, in reading other people's, like you're talking about the people in class mm-hmm. that write theirs, you know, they can be guideposts, they can be light bulbs, you know, we can use them to say, oh, that makes sense. But I just think it's so significant that we all create our own understanding of how it works. And you know, what I believe is that we, for we often are so busy going through life on automatic and default that we have not explored. You know, I think growing up, how many people, you know, came to church every Sunday and they could sing the songs by heart because, you know, over years you sing certain songs for certain kinds of things. And they, you know, would show up and, you know, pick up the book and, and read whatever the reading was and with, along with whoever was reading it from the platform. And they looked like they, and even maybe could answer basic questions about, you know, what do Baptists believe or, you know, this is why you need to be baptized. But did they really understand it in a way that was personal and unique? Yes, that's the key, personal. And unique. That it's not some philosophy that's outside of me that I have to learn or that I have to practice, that I have to master this thing that somebody else is teaching. I just need to spend time with myself and my own. I think the point of community or going to church or being a part of a spiritual life is to be fed to keep my attention in that direction. But I I don't have a strong feeling that I need to to be taught the way to do it. I think I just need to have a space to open myself up to what is already within me to know. I think that was so profound. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that later. But, you know, I do think that's a trick. I think that's part of the trick of religion, and that's a terrible thing. It's lightning in a strike. But I hope not. I'm not, I hope not here. <laughs> it's not in your office no, right maybe here. Maybe then you get to your car, but not here. Don't, don't, don't make her suffer, God, for my blasphemy. Um, you know, but the idea that there's sort of a hook to religion or to churches that you know they get this hook to give me this idea that I have to keep coming back there to get what I need, where I think. I think each of us has what we need, and the idea of spiritual community is just uh, bringing that that which was within me already to light to myself. I don't think I'm going to the church to get something that I can apply to myself. I think I'm going to the spiritual community to have what is already within me become more illuminated for me. We were talking about this, I think, last week. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Um, and to celebrate my knowing of yes. of this with other people who know it as well. Right. And so not, to it's, it's taught, both, not to be taught. Yeah, anyway. Right. It's the, uh, it's the revealing. Yes. yes. And, it's, and it's the showing you how to recognize it and use it. Giving me the space and, to do it. You know, yes. So I think there's some education there, but... The process is is individual. Yeah, the process absolutely is individual. So, and so I would look for my own kind of awe filter. You know, am I going to my church for somebody else to tell me 
what I believe or am I going to my spiritual community to have that separation of my week or that separation of my day to realign with my own inner pilot, my own inner guide. Um, yeah, well, I think you have. It's easy to say that from from the perspective of where we stand right now, because you know you have an inner guide, and you know that you know. And I think we, I, well, I think we know that when we're born as infants, yes. and but we get socialized out of that because we don't really know it, right? Right. Um, and then we learn it, and then we live it. Um, if we, well, we have the choice. But right. that's the idea, that we, right. we relearn it, and then we live it. And in that sense, going to church or going to be a part of a spiritual community is about giving me the tools, resources, confidence to live it, mm-hmm. to really live it. Right. Um, and to live it in a way that's congruent with who I am, which which is, I think, one of the reasons why, for me, it's always been really clear we need to have a gazillion different religions and churches and all of that, because if I'm going to live it in a way that's authentic for me, it may not match the way that yes. that it shows up for you. So right. if, if it shows up as living it authentically in a Catholic church, Right, saying the Hail Mary and going to confession and kneeling and standing up and kneeling and standing up. That that's great. If it if it expresses authentically, if I'm reminded and I'm empowered to live it by being a part of a Buddhist temple, then great. That's great. I that's fine. That's what works for you and that's what allows you to live it. So I don't have any, you know, and if that's, you you are, you have found that in order for you to live it in your life, to live God and to have God, really have that connection with God, you are, you find that by going to a Pentecostal church or to, by being a member of Church of God in Christ or by, you know, whatever our science of mind, it's like, great, it's all, how trite is that? All paths lead to God, because all paths are within the circle of God. There is no other where to be, other place to go. And this concept that we talked about a couple of weeks ago in terms of that, you know, when God was ising and there was only God, and that, then that all that was happening was love and light, love and light, and my interpretation of God getting bored with that, and so splintering, splintering off into this game of life that, um, you know, that idea that God would want that expression in different ways, that that makes the prism of the expression uh, richer. You talked about, you know, all the different vegetables in the garden or all the different flowers, you know, makes makes it a more, uh, a deeper expression when we have variety. And so all the religions make it a much more deeper experience. Yes. Yes. I love it when that moment comes. <laughs> and we're like, okay, well, we can that's end the so show profound. now because, like, there's really nothing else oh, that's it. to that's it. Yeah, say that's... about this particular um, topic. So, the uh, I had an interesting thought about daily practice. We talk about... Uh, you know, daily practice kind of being the reminder of spirit. And um, when I think about meditation, meditation is uh, many times, you know, so they'll sit and do, people sit and do for 30 minutes and, you know, sort of the receiving, isn't that the receiving end of things? Prayer is the putting out into and then the meditation is the receiving or the listening kind of stance. And um, I have recently reconnected with daily meditation on a very shorter, on a very short scale, like a minute to five minutes. On a, on a long meditation morning, I meditate for five minutes. I sit silent. I don't even think I'm going to say meditate. I sit in silence or I sit 
quietly. I sit in the same chair. <laughs> Five minutes or one minute. And I've got several weeks of links in this chain now. And what I conceptualized it, and I don't know why I'm thinking of Marianne Williamson all in the morning, but she said it as well in this, this little interview that she did, was that a minute in the morning sets the connection to spirit for the entire day. Yes. And I thought of this morning, I saw, you know, those little things in the fair, at the state fair that they go up in the air and they go across the whole fair and you can look down on people and then they, what are those called? It's like a little, it's not a trolley, it's like a trolley in the air. Oh, come on, Tracy. You've never been to a state fair? She's had this blank look. It's like a trolley in the air. They have them like in the Alps or in the mountains that you can ride this little car that's on a tra- it's on a train track up in the air, and the little train tra- train has to hook into the to the to the track, and then it rides to the destination, and then it unhooks, and you get off. Mm-hmm. We ha- all have the visual now. Do you? Okay. We don't know what. We it's looked called. it so blank. Okay, good. So well, I don't know what it's so the, called. Oh, okay. All right. Because I don't do hikes and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So the idea of the morning meditation being that that's my moment to hook in to the track. And then that takes me on that ride, the spirit for the day, but it's only the length of the track. It doesn't re-up the next morning unless I take that minute again and make that conscious choice to get in that track again. And I I thought that was a really interesting idea. And that kind of takes, and I think the idea of spiritual practice, daily spiritual practice, to me, seems to be more the language than meditation because I'm using it as a tool to connect with spirit. I'm really not meditating, but I'm making a conscious choice to say, okay, here's here's my day, God. Here's my day, creation. Let's do this together. Let me stay conscious. Let me stay awake. Let me stay focused. And I'm hooking on. I'm hooking in. Let's go. I like it. There you go. I, I, I do agree with you that that is really what is happening with our spiritual practice. I mean, yes, the more we do it, the more we are building depth and, and building an account to, you know, tap into. But we're not doing it just for that purpose. The process, the experience of doing it itself is creating the connection. Right. It is creating the remembrance and the realization that I and the Father are one. Right. That I am one with this higher power and that my guidance and my direction really comes from a universal mind beyond my physical limitations. Yes. And and so, yeah, that that I really love. And in doing that, I'm actually also stepping into and integrating this triune nature. I'm stepping into the Father. Uh I am opening myself to the Spirit. And I am recommitting to be the Son. Way to bring it back to the topic, Tracy. That. It's very impressive. It's really, thank you. But (laughs) thank you, Anne. I wasn't really thinking about that except that, yeah, that's our topic. So it's like, wow, that is what we're doing. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like that. And then we walk into our day or we go into the next thing that we do with all of spirit integrated into us. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not, it's no longer something, it's no longer a man up in the sky in the clouds Mm -hmm. separated from me, judging me. It's, wow, I'm in complete alignment with this this knowledge, this action, right action, and knowing that it is all unfolding perfectly. Expressing, yes. And, and it. And that idea that if I really 
believe that and practice that and live it, you know, that, that it shifts everything. And I, I always come back to this idea of the women in the jail when they finally kind of get that being in jail is a gift to them and in a way, you know, perhaps even life-saving in terms of um, giving them a, a separation from their addiction or a separation from their self-abuse, that when we can understand each experience is, you know, hooked into that divine design to move us to our next best, highest good. And the more conscious we are of that, the more it, um, you know, it speeds us down the, speeds us down the road of the flow. Mm-hmm. And as we get in that kind of jet stream, I love the idea of the jet stream. I'm all about the metaphors today. That you know, I can be swimming in the ocean and going at a certain, doing certain things. But if I can hook into that jet stream, that flow, the spirit, the divine design that's always there, always pulsing. If I can get into that, if I can hook my train onto that track, where I'm going to zip through, and and things are going to unfold at, at an amazing rate, and manifestation of things will come, you know, way outside of my ability to manifest them. I'm really playing around with this idea right now that I really all I have to do is have the end results in mind. Yeah. And um, right now I'm seeing my 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 part is doing the meditation in the morning and writing or emailing my spiritual advisor each day, spiritual teacher. And that that's pretty much my gig, my part of the gig, and then just being open to respond to how spirit creates the rest. Yes. Because I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to create the rest, and that's really above my pay grade. Yes, it is. So you did start with being clear about what you want. Yes, I did. You you corrected me last time, yes, about not doing that. But that is exactly right, being clear, setting very clear what my intention is, right. And then you can do the spiritual practice, yes. And and it must unfold, it must manifest. And I was talking with someone this morning and talked about how she's just now getting this kind of intuitive understanding where her body feels um, divine design. And I do think... I know for years I pondered the idea of discernment. Mm-hmm. How do I know what is my my mind? How do I know what is higher power mind? And um, I do think that if we pay attention, there is something within our bodies um, that will let us know here is the you know authentic spirit it's saying turn right versus ego or fear saying turn right. But I do think there's a period of time of really kind of understanding how do I know, how do I, um, how do I know this is, this is not Memorex, but it's the real, (laughs) it's the real deal. Yes. That used to be really confusing for me, and I'm sitting here reflecting on how now it just seems so you just know. Yeah, it's like that's not confusing at all. <laughs> and but it did used to be really confusing for me. And I and my I'm thinking back, my reaction was I don't just don't understand it. So so I had two reactions. One was I just don't understand it. It's beyond my ability to understand so <laughs> whatever. And there was a period where I was, I don't understand it, and I was working to understand it. Yes. Uh-huh. But I that didn't last I, I very long. I spent a long time there, that working phase. I would really look into that. Oh, no, see, yeah. that didn't work very long. Good and, of course, you're not surprised mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if it's that hard, either either I'm making it that hard or I'm not supposed to understand it. <laughs> right. You know, because I, I understand stuff. Pretty quickly, right. as a norm, and uh-huh. have that belief about myself. Yes, and so, Faster. and so it's like, okay, well, I'm not supposed to understand it, and so it's interesting now, later in life, even though I may not be able to explain it to anyone, it's like I totally understand it. I have no question about it, and I see it's all one package, mm-hmm. operating and expressing in three different but completely 
connected ways. Yes. And it doesn't seem confusing at all to me. That's, I was going to say that's weird. Oui, oui. But I guess that's spiritual maturity. Oh, very good, Trace. That's exactly what that is, yes. And when we can settle into that and just accept that, you know, I mean, um, depending on where we are in our path, that can come at any moment, you know, just to settle into knowing what we know and uh, embracing it without having to have it be hard. Oh, you might want to say that again. Yes, So that yes. you could hear yourself mm-hmm. say it. That's it. It doesn't have, have to, be to be hard. hard. It doesn't have to be hard work. It doesn't have to be a mountain to climb. I mentioned uh, a while ago, my spiritual teacher told me to get a book, The Power of Habit. Yes. And I went and got that book. And um, I started reading that book, and I uh, immediately thought, you know, this can't teach me anything that I don't already know, which is I love that default setting. That's uh-huh. just fantastic. Within the first five minutes of any class or anything, oh, yeah. I don't know why I'm doing Why? This. Why am I wasting my time? <laughs> These people have nothing I don't know. And uh, so I continue to be open to it. And um, what it kind of is suggesting, the power of habit, it's suggesting that um, our minds tend to think that we have to change, like I need to lose weight, I need to get a new job, I need to get a you know perfect marriage. That there's that we have we need to do all these different things to like four or five or six things. We make two or, or three four. or four or five. Mm-hmm. And what it's suggesting is that all we need to really change is one habit, and that the changing of the one thing changes the neurons, the literal brain chemistry, that then ripples out and affects and changes everything. Yeah, because if you change that one thing, then everything else has to reconfigure itself in order to operate because it's all connected. So if if A is going to match with B and then lead to C and D, if you pull B out, then everything has to either accommodate that, make room for its replacement, or learn how to function without it. Right. So that makes sense. If you make one change, yes. it really opens the door for all of change and for the universe to reconfigure everything based on what your dominant, dominating goal or intention is. So it would be good to have Clarity about the dominating goal and intention before you make the change. That's the key. That's the key. Otherwise, everything reconfigures to recreate the previous default. And that was what they were talking about was that that it's the passion with which the person makes the commitment to changing the one thing. And they they're doing all these brain studies. See, are you having? Are you having an awe moment? And they're doing all these brain studies that. how the brain reconfigures itself to go into alignment with that one change. Yes, and my aha is is related to, you know, people, clients I'm working with or even in my own life, how we make the change or we start saying affirmations often. And nothing happens, nothing looks different. And we think, oh, it's not working. Or I changed that and my life's still a mess. So there are two things. One, for the time, mm-hmm. for the process to re-knit itself, mm-hmm. the assumptions to re-knit themselves, and or I made a change, but I'm still thinking about what I'm losing and I'm take, what's being taken away or what's not working instead of being really clear about the intention of where I'm going. Yes. So the reconfiguring is happening to just reinforce what was or reinforce disappointment. Yes, that's interesting. I'm so using that. <laughs> all of this right came down. from the triune nature of God. So that's all the time we have for triune nature of God today. So glad you joined us and hope that you will look, check out our many recorded shows and find another show that's um, of interest to you. And also check out our schedule for what's Until we meet again, say, say yes, yes to, to spirit. spirit.
Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.